Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Present. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can fill your knowledge void of cannabinoids and get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I am your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest. Speaking flower to power for 28 years and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. You know, I have been privileged to be the primary MC of the Seattle Hemp Fest main stage for all of its 28 years, as well as a media spokesperson for the event and its subsequent organization for the lion's share of that time. And because of my very visible, high-profile role in the event, people have sometimes assumed that I am the founder of Seattle Hemp Fest. While I have been with Seattle Hemp Fest since its first days, I am not the founder. I am not the person who came up with the idea to do Hemp Fest or the person who organized the first years of the event. So to set the record straight, I have my good friend Gary Cook with me today. Gary is the actual founder of Seattle Hemp Fest, and he's with me to tell you about Hemp Fest creation, what inspired him to father what has grown to become the world's largest event of its kind. Welcome, Gary, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Good afternoon, Vivian. Before we start, Gary, I just want to say 
you changed my life and greatly impacted the lives of so many people with your vision and your courage. Millions of people have attended HempFest. Over a thousand bands have performed. Thousands of vendors have sold their wares. Many other cannabis events have sprung up who have adopted aspects of Seattle HempFest. So I just wanted to state that from the get-go. Uh, I'm so thankful to have this opportunity to honor you and 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 all the years of, of work and uh, and dedication that, that you put into making this thing happen, man. Well, I appreciate that, sir. So, so let's dive back to the time before Seattle Hemp Fest. How and where did you get your start in event production? How did you get the chops to, to start something like Hemp Fest? Well, uh, I grew up in a small town of Eugene, Oregon, as maybe some of you have heard uh, of it. And uh, back in the 80s, uh, we, you know, as all kids do, kind of in high school, getting out of high school, we would go to parties and such. And basically what was happening back then, the only real parties that were going on were kind of butt rocker parties or, you know, cowboy parties, as we used to call them. And we would, my, me and my friends would go in there, uh, go in there and take over kind of the record players at that time and uh, put on our music. It was generally, you know, from the punk persuasion and stuff. And uh, anyways, after getting thrown out and getting in trouble and, you know, fights almost ensuing or ensuing, we decided to, you know, that we need to do something. And so we started our own underground punk rock club, which we hosted, you know, over well over a hundred, you know, LA punk rock bands from, you know, some East coast punk rock bands that were basically going from, either Southern uh, California, San Francisco, going up to Seattle. And, you know, they were looking for tour dates to fill. And we ended up having to be a small venue. It was a three-story home, and we had our basement all decked out. And it was, you know, kind of somebody might say it was kind of in a ska fashion or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so we just, we, we actually had Black Flag, several other, you know, punk rock bands play there. And so I, I, I learned from uh, actually a man down there, uh, Rob Waldman, on uh, how to really produce shows and, you know, how to poster for them. And, you know, realizing that, you know, it's, it's you know, getting the people there. You've, even if you're even if your party wasn't the prettiest party, it, it was always a good party if there was a lot of people there. And so that was that was my main, uh, you know, adventures in, you know, music production. Uh, what influences or experiences do you have? Uh, did you have prior to Seattle Hempfest that formed your attitudes about cannabis and prohibition? You know, why did you you think it was so important to do something like Hempfest? Right. You know, I never really thought about it much up in you know it was even in Eugene and you know growing up I never really thought of thought that much about it. I never really felt the oppression of anything that I needed to fight against. And certainly after living in San Francisco, I moved there. I was there for over six years and living there, uh, you know, in San Francisco, the cops and, you know, the powers that be, you know, could care really less about pot use and whatever. So I never really gave much thought to it until we moved, uh, me and my family moved, uh, moved us up to uh, Seattle. And uh, I found in Seattle that it was, completely a whole nother situation i felt actually kind of reminded me the stories of my mom growing up in uh occupied france you know with the nazis i was just like i was really appalled by it i just it was astounding to me 
that what was going on and the, the levels of paranoia, the levels of people uh, thinking that everybody else was either a cop or an undercover uh, agent, which I was called that often, especially after, you know, talking about, you know, you know, thinking about doing about, you know, a hemp expo, as I first called it, or a hemp fest, you know, and so it, it was, it was really atrocious to me, you know, and I just felt that there needed to be something done about it, though I knew very little, you know, back then, I, I would like to remind the listeners, you know, especially the younger ones that back then, you know, we knew or we'd heard about really that, you know, the first American flag was made out of hemp, a few other, you know, loose type of uh, informational things about hemp, but we really knew nothing about it. And basically what we were is we were ripped off from our history is what I came to found out is um, after uh, I was there for a while, I saw a poster down in the Ave where you were uh, very active also. And it was about a hemp talk at the uh, uh, PeaceWorks Park, which I think you had a great deal to do with that going on with, with the Gulf War. And there was going to be, you know, no conversation about hemp. And so I, I took a poster actually that I found up on a pole and I started printing it up and I started putting that out myself. I didn't know anybody in, you know, involved, but so, uh, the day came where that came about and, uh, the guy was not there, you know, it was very loosely, there was really no organization from what I could see. And, you know, the guy didn't show up. So I was, rather disappointed and that day we left it was me uh uh my wife and uh or my daughter's mother and uh we uh had a friend with us and i said well as we drove away in our volkswagen van we were as you know telling you know i was kind of disappointed and i figured well it looks like i'm gonna have to do something you know and so from that time on i started conceiving of what you know what we could do and then i came up with you know the idea of doing an outdoor event to host uh you know bands and then you know try to find people that you know we could actually have an event of some sorts whatever that might end up being i had no idea what it would be really but um that something needed to be done and that i wasn't going to live in a city with such oppression and that's really what it came down to. You mentioned postering, and I was an activist in the late 80s. And I used to run into you on University Avenue where you had a fold-up table uh, on the sidewalk with a jar of hemp seeds. You were wearing yes. an Uncle Sam yes. hat with a pot leaf lay, and you were yelling, hemp will save the planet. <laughs> Sow the seeds everywhere. Um, yes. And, and uh, am I correct to say that you had discovered Jack Harris' book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, about that time? Well, what had happened is actually before that really happened is I had no idea about Jack. Uh, Jack Hare, I didn't, I had no, never heard of him, never, heard, you know, and two college kids down on the Ave where I was, yes, I used to have my free marijuana sign down there. Many people were perplexed over that because I was, you know, as I told them, no, I am freeing marijuana. I don't have free marijuana. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they were like, oh, well, you must have read Jack jack Hare's book and i'm like what's that and they're like what you know, they progressed to tell me about jack 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 Hare's, you know emperor wears no clothes and i immediately went down to one of the head shops or one of the shops down there you know well on the you on the ave and uh 
found the book and to my surprise I my whole world was turned upside down and as now like a lot of people through through this history of this found out that our history had been stolen from us and that all this information in there had you know uh you know really opened you know say the least opened my eyes to what was really going on I got a copy of uh, uh, Hemp for Victory that the government made back in the 40s, and uh, I actually reproduced that through a shop there in, in Seattle and started selling that at my table. And really, after watching that, too, I was just amazed. And then uh, I call, I found Jack, got a hold of Jack's number somehow. I still don't remember. Actually, one of the first people, though, that it's two of the first people I'd like to mention, though, that I really met was uh, uh, Chris Conrad and Nikki, uh, Nick Norris. Uh, both of them uh, were a friend of somebody else that I knew in town that was connected loosely up with uh, the hemp movement and of the early days. And uh, he, he got a meeting with, with, with me, with them. And they were two of the first people that I really talked to. And I was, you know, to say the least, very impressed. You know, both of these, both of them, uh, they, you know, really showed me that this was on another level than, you know, just some kind of hippie, uh, you know, whatever somebody might think, you know, uh, movement type thing. And, and this was a real movement. And then I got a hold of Jack. Jack didn't know me from Jack. <laughs> and uh, I pretty much, you know, convinced Jack that he needed to come down. Jack, I want to say he came down. Jack, Jack Herrick came down on his own dime. I could not afford anything. He stayed with us in our little humble home there in Greenwood. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, you know, it, it took a few phone calls to actually, you know, have it really sink into Jack that, you know, I was very serious about that. And he said, well, can I sell my books? And I said, please, you know. And so he showed up at the very first hemp fest all on his own dime. You know, so it was, you know, it was a huge thing for me, all of us, really. My guest is Gary Cook. And speaking of the humble home, we're going to pay the rent and take that pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws here. Word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come back with our second segment with the founder of Seattle Hemp Fest, Gary Cook. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots and close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. 
Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present with the founder of Seattle Hemp Fest, Gary Cook. Uh, Gary, you know, I remember the, the first Hemp Fest at Volunteer Park. Uh, we got there and uh, in, in the park, you know, and started setting up the PA equipment early in the morning. I, I think I remember you saying that you yeah. know, we, there were some homeless people there, like kind of more homeless people than when we figured sleeping in the grass. And it turned out that they weren't homeless. They'd come from other regions. <laughs> yes. And, and we had the yeah. first Hemp Fest and we had about 500 people and we thought it was huge, of course. And, and you guys brought yeah. out, you know, live plants on stage and everything. And, and we were throwing out well, joints yeah. to the, to the crowd. Well, well that we, we actually did that. The live plants came on the second, second hemp one. Fest. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. But you know, but yes, we, you know, yeah, we had, you know, the, yeah, exactly. There was people out there and I thought, you know, they just naturally assumed they were, you know, homeless people. <laughs> But, and, and, uh, and, and and you had a landscaping business in Seattle at the time, and I'm just I'm just curious, mm-hmm. uh, what were people's attitudes about the chances of legalization in those days in the early '90s? What kind of feedback did you get by your friends? Uh, did, did you ever feel like you're getting the risk of like taking a big risk doing something like Hempfest? You were a family man back then. Yes, well, the the risk outweighed the the situation and and the you know my you know being appalled and just that it was unacceptable about what was going on. So, you know, and I knew from actually my, my, uh, my, uh, uncles, uh, in, uh, in France actually that were part of the French resistance and stuff is like, you take chances, you know, and that's what it takes. And it's, you know, sometimes putting our lives on the line and being a family man is I was doing it for my family. Cause I did get some flack about that. I mean, I was, you know, told from some people, you know, I thought, oh, this is a great idea all the way to, you know, this is the stupidest, you know, freaking <laughs> idea I've ever heard. You know, that was from some other producers in town. And that was, you know, one guy told me, he says, it's going to be you and the cops there, Gary. And I said, <laughs> well, it'll be me, the cops and my family then, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I was, you know, I was willing to do whatever it took, though. And and we'll see what Seattle does, you know, and so. People, you know, a lot of people back then thought, oh, yeah, oh, you're just trying to get us all in one area to get us arrested. I know this. 
you know, <laughs> I'm just, you know, there I remember no that. talking sense to some people yet, but you and, know, and it, a lot of people it, thought that it was just a waste, a waste of time. It'll never happen. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Or, or, or do you, do you ever think this will happen in our lifetime? You know, and I would just tell people, I don't know, but I don't care whether it happens in my lifetime or not. I'm not doing it just for, I'm not doing it for myself. You know, I'm doing it because it needs to be done. In fact, I, I, I wanted to say, I always say this is one of my bylines is, I, you know, people say I'm the founder of HempFest, and I always say, well, HempFest founded me. You know, <laughs> I believe it was an entity that needed to happen. This was something that kind of born itself, and, you know, I was just the conduit. So, You know, on the second – uh, hemp fest I was emceeing and I saw all these people looking past me you know and and people standing up and stuff and I was excited I turned around and you guys are bringing live pot plants out on the stage and yes. set them on, on the PA speakers and then I don't remember if it was the second or maybe the third one that we, there was a bong-a-thon and we had eight little tiny plastic bongs eight eights yes. and you, you yes, got that volunteers that from the, the crowd and I, I w- and I want to bring up too is after the very first hemp fest is I we had as as well as you know a great gentleman, uh, Christopher I, Chris he he came out and he was he stayed around milled around to the very end and got me right after I was talking with some people and he asked me he said so he said so you think you're going to do this again next year and I told him I'm like you know I don't know I said you know I don't. I don't have a lot of time and I certainly don't have the money. I think I spent like $600 all in the production of that, you know? And he goes, he says, well, that's a funny thing here. He says, he says, that's all I have is time and money. And so Christopher, you know, I tell you, it wouldn't have been what it was, you know, it, it wouldn't, it certainly have been nearly as easy or, you know, I don't know what it would have happened without his help, uh, not only financial help, but his backing. Uh, you know, we had a very crappy PA that first year. And in fact, that's what got Chris into the PA, into the yeah, PA uh, business is that he wanted to make sure when we had sp- uh, speakers out there that they could be heard, you know, well and, you know, clearly. So Chris actually on the second year helped me. Uh, basically we kind of co-produced that. He did a lot of the, the legwork. I was helping, you know, with some of the, the other things and, uh, and then, yeah, he brought out the pot plants and, you know, I was, I was surprised as well. Cause I wasn't sure if he was really going to do that, but I'll tell you, you know, Chris, you know, he had some kahunas, you know, doing this. And then, yeah, we talked about doing the bongathon. Yeah. We had like, I think there was like eight bongs up there and who could smoke the eighth of weed the fastest, you know, it was, <laughs> It was incredible, yeah. So and, I, I remember the, yeah. the look on the guy's face that won, and he said, what did I win? It was like the eighth of weed that you just smoked. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually Chris did give him like a bag of weed too oh, after cool, that. Cool. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there was something you know, other than that. And, and is yeah, it but, true yeah. that, that, that the, the event got over and you guys you realized, wait a minute, who wants to drive away from this public event with this pot plant that's been standing on the thing? Uh, well you know that's what i thought vivian that's what i thought and then i was like i just naturally thought it's like oh let's let's throw these buds out because nobody's going to take this home and then chris told me after he says he says he says i was going to take that plant home (laughs) and i'm like what you know i was i was astounded by you know just his you know yeah just by you know the idea that he was going to actually take this home in his car 
But I, you know, I got to admit, there. I think the only cops that we really saw in those few years were a couple that I remember were just a couple bike cops out in the back and just kind of watching, you know, and not really doing much. You know, there wasn't, you know. Yeah, nothing. You know, nothing happened. Yeah. They just they just let the thing yeah. happen for for many years. Yeah, yeah. We got about three yeah. minutes yeah. before the next break. What's what's a few of your outstanding memories of Hempfest? I mean, I know. Well, I, I tell you. Uh, you know, and, and certainly, yeah, in the second, third, you know, you know, years where we, yeah, where we did what we did, you know, just us, you know, like you're saying. And, and I tell you, you know, when I uh, decided it was, um, I remember Chris, uh, I remember talking to you and I thought going to Gasworks was a good move just because it was so much of a pop and more popular park and that maybe more people would come. And then I, I did come up actually with the idea as I hired the plane that drug the uh, advertisement, you know, and these guys were all about it and they drugged the plane around and, you in know, 1994. And so in 1994, right. And so that upped our game, you know, it, it, a lot, you know, and I tell you, you know, as you just posted some pictures about that and it was, that was really, uh, and I got to say, I mean, we, we created an epic time right then. That day was, was really epic in Seattle's history, I think. And, was, you know, people as, were, as you large, know. As large an audience in Grassworks Park as it's ever been there. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of, one of the times, like you're saying, is that I'll never forget the parks guy showing up. It was just some parks guy I'd never dealt with. Anyways, he shows up. And he goes, what the hell is going on here? I said, well, he says, do you got a permit for this? And I show him the permit. And then he looks it over and he goes, God damn it. He says, this is for, he said, this is for a family reunion or, you know, a wedding or something. And I'm like, well, I said, it kind of is. I said, more people showed up than what I thought. He goes, God damn it. He says, you got Wallingford to the U district. He says, the whole town over here is shut down. Nobody can get through. We had to get cops out to direct traffic. My eyes lit up and I was going, really? You know, like I was like happy about it. And he could see that. He goes, this ain't cool. He, and he, you know, he looked at, you know, he looked around and he was just like, ah, he says, I'm, I'm leaving. He says, there's nothing I can do here, <laughs> you know? And so that, that, that time after, uh, when I turned the paperwork back into George Long, God rest his soul, I tell you, I don't know what we would have done without some of the key people in Seattle, but he's, he told me, he says, you know, well, apparently you guys had a big party this weekend, huh? He says, well, you're not going to come to me next year. He says, you're going to the special events. And I'm, I'm sure you can remember the special events meeting that oh, we man, went to that, that first year. I remember that first meeting with you and oh, I. Oh, yeah. And it's in the city yeah. attorney's, oh. the city attorney's yeah. office, and we take yes. we go into the yeah. go into the office, and yeah. there's all the other big event directors of all it, the other. It events. was one of the biggest tables I ever sat at, Vivian. <laughs> one of the longest, you know. There's cops everywhere. Sit, uh, the, the sit, some of the city council people were there. Uh, it was, you know. Oh, I, 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 I tell you, sure, I was I, glad I thought, to have you by my side, sir. Bro, I thought yeah, we were going like, to leave in handcuffs, man. You know? <laughs> that was so <laughs> that was so freaking yeah. intimidating, man. And I thought they were going to come out, it, with, watch them watch out with walk out with pictures of like pot plants on stage and throwing joints out. And stuff, right, right. You know? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, we had no idea what we're you know what we're you know up against. But you know, but. I had made a list of of issues that I thought they were going to be concerned about. And if you're, yeah, you know, Virginia yeah. Swanson, she's like, well, I'll let you allow you to make your initial presentation 
And 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 when right. we got done, it was only the police that weren't happy. Everybody else, you know, it's, it's all the d- departments, you know, around this huge square table. And, uh, and yeah. that first meeting with the captain of the police, he was so angry with a meeting, just you, me, her, and him. And he had a oh, yeah. vein, vein bulging out yeah. of his Ca- neck. Captain Kamrinky. Yeah. And, and yes. he's. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His eyes like, were about to This is going to gonna blow out. my entire budget. And she and, and Virginia Swanson, the special event chair, she's like, this is a constitutionally protected event. That's not their problem. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that yeah, later. He, I was really impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, he says, this does not jive with the mayor's anti uh, anti drug <laughs> downtown campaign, something like that. <laughs> just like, wow. And, and, you know, at that moment when Virginia Swanson like stood up for us, I remember. I think we kind of stood, you know, we straightened our backs a little bit in our chairs while Kabrinky there kind of like slouched a little bit. You know, I was like, God, we're, we got like, we, we actually have the constitution on our side here. This, this just might work. Yeah. That was a hit. That yeah, was a hit. In a way that was a historic moment in, in, the, Oh, it was in the cannabis yes, movement. Uh, you know, yes. and that's when you, yeah, and so I many were, of these really were, you know, of, you know, yeah. Because, you know, uh, real quick, you know, is when I started it, I never, you know, there was the Ann Arbor uh, hash bash going on and they had, you know, eight to 10,000 people. I never knew if we'd get that big. It didn't really matter to me. But, you know, I never really, you know, saw that coming. But, yeah, it was, it was you know, it was a great, great, many great moments in that, you know, that were, you know, highlighted in my mind for sure. Well, you know, now we annually have around 100,000 people and it costs about qu- three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, so it's really grown. Yeah, my, guest, right? yes. my guest is Gary Cook, the founder of Seattle Hemp Fest. We're going to take another pause here. Work from our sponsors. Come back with our final questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge at, that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. To hemp present only on cannabis radio now back to our headstrong emperor of hemp vivian mcpeak and we're back for our final questions with gary cook uh, gary you know say there's some young person or some person in some state or country where cannabis is still illegal um and of course it's illegal everywhere federally in america but somebody in some yeah. state that wants to throw a hemp fest wants to throw a cannabis rally um, and never done anything like this, what advice might you have for them? Well, I guess my first advice would be, you know, you know, if, if you haven't been to a hemp fest is, is to go to one, you know, and, and if you can't, you know, just go to one or, you know, whatever the situation may be is look up at a lot of our videos that, you know, are available on, you know, YouTube or, you know, various places or, you know, hempfest.com and, uh, org and, uh, you know, check it out and see it's, it's one of been really one of the highlights of this whole thing, Vivian, Vivian, for me to see people come to Hempfest and see their jaws drop and see what freedom really looks like. Cause that's what, that's what we've really done with Hempfest, I believe. And not only that was with also with the cops and seeing us, how we really are. And also back at them, you know, seeing them, that, you know, they're being cordial people, you know, not just, you know, trying to bust heads everywhere and see what freedom really looks like. And I think that will instill the, you know, the fire in people to bring that. And I believe it has to bring that to their home, because when they see freedom, what it, what it really looks like and what it can be, then I think that drives people and it has driven people to bring that to their own hometowns and, so, you know, there's, and if, if you don't think that you can do it, you know, it, you know, and, and I always use this Henry Ford's quote, you know, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And so I believe that, you know, people are a lot more powerful. And I, I certainly found that out for myself, you know, that, you know, the, the, the power that's within us, the fire that's within us can spread and it can spread easily, especially when you're doing it for such a righteous cause, not only just for the hemp plant, but for, you know, teaching people that our history was ripped off from us. And then, you know, and out of that, what else has been stolen from us? What other history has it been stolen from us? I mean, you know, look at all the, you know, just here on the West Coast, all we have is freeways. There's no mass transportation almost. That's been ripped off from us. There's so many different things that this correlates to. And so the people out there, I think, you know, to bring this to your own hometown is very important in many different ways. And, and not just actually about the hemp plant, even though that is 
very important. I mean, I want to say I'm right here in just uh, in outside of Houston, Texas, and I'm fr- sitting in front of a uh, uh, a pet shop type thing, right? It's uh, and wh- where do I see on the front here in Texas? It says hemp health for your pet. You know, CBDs for your pet. I mean, I'm just astounded. You know, I never thought it would come this far this quickly, Vivian. And I, you know, I, I want to thank you for helping helping me and everybody else bring it to it. You know, I mean, this is, it, it astounds me everywhere where I go to, and see this stuff. And I know people can bring this to their own hometowns and their own communities and change people's minds, you know, not only just, you know, you know, just change their minds, but really change their hearts and, and find and really feel that, you know, these guys aren't so bad and this plant is actually not bad. In fact, it's Gary, beneficial. Thank you so much for, for, for being on the show. It means everything to me, bro. And uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Hemp Present. We'll see you next week. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. Growing hemp as nature designed it is vital to our urgent need to reduce greenhouse gases and ensure the survival of our planet. Now, the, the immortal words of our old friend Jack Herrer. That concludes this installment of 100% on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice. As we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy, and don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back, Take Back the Plant, is performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, Maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.